Hi, everybody. It's Brandon Martinez. I'm back again with another episode of Transition Points. I am here with a very good friend of mine. His name is Cam Laporte. He is a mental health advocate. How's it going, Cam? I'm doing great, Brandon. How are you making out tonight? Uh, I'm thriving. It's a little bit too warm or too cool out for me, but it is what it is. I mean, just having like a solid week of uh, just beautiful weather and then just to have this, it's uh, I don't know. It, it really cannot make up its mind. Uh, I keep saying that winter is sticking its claws into the weather for one last day, but then that day keeps repeating. Yes. I was in Boston last week, actually on vacation. Oh. Uh, and it was so lovely out there just being by the harbor and having uh, all this beautiful sunlight there. And uh, uh, there, there, there's something about a very nice day that is soul cleansing you know what i mean like soul it's cleansing. yeah it just it just feels there's something about the natural warmth on your skin that yes is very uh, redeeming maybe so cam we met about three years ago has it been three or four years ago that that sounds about right yeah uh, at the graduate student mixer at <laughs> Wahoo's, at, at a uh, rest in peace to Wahoo's. Yes, R.I.P. Legendary uh, spot. You were there. Our friends Val Ward were there. Shout out Val Ward, uh, mm-hmm. very big in the uh, um, homeless advocacy and low income advocacy in Philadelphia. Uh, Jillian Warsilla was there. Gab. Uh, Gab Dondishi, who's also doing great things in the mental health community, is uh, was there as well. So it's just great to see how how we've all excelled in that since then. Yeah, some of the some of the best and the brightest that I've ever had the privilege of uh, having classes with and, and meeting. Absolutely. But Cam, so we were in the accelerated program together. So which means that we were taking 20 plus credits every term. So we were doing by day, we mm-hmm. were undergrad students and then by night. We were graduate students. So exactly. the the average Drexel student was taking roughly 15 credits a, a term. And the amount of like stress it puts you under, uh, I just I can't believe that we ever did it and made it out, you know? Yeah, it is it's remarkable to look back and see just how our nose was on the grindstone constantly. Uh just because you don't have time to breathe uh quite often. But I can't tell you how many times probably either me and you have just been like, bro, like, what are we doing? Like, is this <laughs> like, I, I, I have, how many times have I just eat texted you like, bro, I can't do this. Or, uh, uh, and that one class that we had together, theories and models of persuasion. Mm-hmm. I, I remember we had that very first test and none of us did really well on it. And I was, and I was sending, because I had, I was, I was having a literal breakdown in the class. Like this is going to throw off my entire GPA. And I was sending an email to our advisor saying, I don't think I can do this. Uh, I need you to pull me out of this program. And then you put your hand on my hand. And, it's like, and he looked at me and he said, bro, don't worry about it. It's I, I remember it very well. It'd be like, just wait 24 hours and then act on it. And then I waited 24 hours and, and like we, it was fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember it super clearly just because we all got the tests back and we all bombed it. I yeah. think nobody got higher than a like a D or something like that. And I saw you over there ascent, like essentially getting ready to withdraw from the graduate program. Yeah. And I, I I've been in the situation before where something like something very jarring happens. And my first reaction is to immediately try to rectify it, immediately try to change the course of events. 
Um, but it something that I exercised then and have am still trying to learn to to get with is that the brain really needs time to absorb information and sleeping on something even though it's a little bit of an overused exact like like term like oh I'll sleep on it it actually helps your brain coagulate the thoughts better mm-hmm. um and so i yeah at that moment i just remember thinking like i i know that you're super bright and one single exam is not going to uh dampen that flame yeah mind you i left that class with an a plus so that, that <laughs> exactly just, exactly that just, that just shows you but it was that that it was that day that i really solidified you as like yeah this kid is my friend you know like <laughs> we were always friends before that but like that that was a day i was like yeah like this kid is my friend i need a positive influence like that on my in my life because at this time uh it's winter term you know winter terms always off like gearing up it's the hardest dreadful people are on on transitioning to graduating and to going on to their internship cycle so it was just this it's not a good uh mentality for anybody at during this time and i looked over at you and like wow this guy has such control over how he's feeling and it was and you could talk to any of our friends from that from those classes they would 100 validate it that's not something that I've considered too, too much is just control over, you know, kind of the, the state of things. Um, but, but I, I suppose you're right in that most of the time it's, it's kind of a, a a level headedness just because I, I guess I save more of the, the high intensity emotions for, for out of public, you know, like when I'm, when I'm alone and can kind of grapple with that type of thing. I understand. But even when you came to my graduation party, um, <laughs> which was, I still loved it 100%. It was uh, definitely a rem- memory, but it was, what happened was like a legitimate hurricane <laughs> just came and went during my graduation party, but it was, it was still a bl- fun time, you know? Like, oh yeah. And I just saw you in the corner standing over there with my friend Catherine, and it was like you guys were unfazed. And it's in the, I can see my mom having this literal face of panic on her face and everybody's freaking out and there's just you guys just like chilling and it's like wow you guys are just you're you personally are a very stoic person (laughs) well well, thank you for that um with with that circumstance in particular when it went from a very nice sunny day immediately to like a torrential downpour i I mean i couldn't help but laugh Right. Yeah, I, I know. Obviously, it was a it was a poor situation to be in. But we but... made the best of it, though. And it, it exactly. really did turn out to be really fun. I just want to say that. Yeah. Yeah. You need to have a sense of humor yeah. um, and be able to to recognize the ridiculousness of it. It's like, oh, of course, it would. This would happen today, right now. Yeah. And when all of the like the tablecloths are being blown into the field <laughs> and we kind of go around after them, it's, you know, it's a. Uh, it's like a it's like a bonding kind of moment. One hundred percent. But Cam, so me and you have had conversations about our families separately. You know stuff about my family. Uh, mm-hmm. I know stuff about your family. And you had mentioned that your family does have a history of mental health uh, issues. And I was wondering if you would be willing to talk about that a little bit and how it formed who you are as a person. Yeah, I, I certainly can. Um... So the, the the prime example, or I guess the 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 main one, 
would be uh, my mother. Um, she has been in and out of mental institutions and all, all the like for a number of years now. Um, everything got worse with her mental state once COVID came through. But even before that, she'd been uh, in and out, I think, twice between 2007 and 2010, or 2020, rather. Um, but then within the past two years, because of just how much stress the pandemic, I believe, has, has exaggerated everything, she's been in and out, I think, six times, which is... A very difficult situation to deal with, but to, to clarify the matter, um, she's a schizophrenic. And not only is she a schizophrenic, but she is a schizophrenic in denial of her schizophrenia. Um, she first, she, she mentioned to me before, because once the pandemic happened, my lease ended in Philadelphia and I moved in with her um, right in May of 2020. And I was there until the end of October. Um, and she mentioned to me during that six, five, six month window, uh, the, I got a better understanding of what she conceptualized in her brain uh, as far as her, her symptoms. And it's, it's difficult because not only is she in denial of there being an issue, but she also rejects modern medicine. Um, she believes that there's, you know, they're poisoning us, something along those lines. And so she's resilient towards medication. Actually, luckily in the past two, three months, she's successfully gotten on medication and is doing better. But as far as that period of time in 2020, it was really difficult. Um, she, conceptualizes that she's speaking to higher beings essentially and that she was put on this earth to do a certain purpose and at that time in 2020 her purpose had been fulfilled and because of that she told me and prepared for uh her death her demise she told me completely honestly that one day I would wake up because her and I were the only ones living in the house. I, one day I would wake up and she would simply be gone. She would have vanished into light and gone up to wherever they are or dust or however she would have disappeared. And so to prepare for this, um, she handed over every sensitive document with all of her passwords, all of her financial information, every single thing that I might need. I have power of attorney over her finances because I would need that in the event of her um, demise. And that's not easy. There was certainly not an easy thing to hear that my, my mother expected to uh, pass soon. And even harder to hear because I know that she thinks this and I know that it's not going to happen. Um, and for a period of time, I won't get into every single bit of, of detail, but for a period of time, for a good couple months, I would say between July and October, things were very difficult because she was um, wailing 
and and crying because she didn't want to go but she also knew that she had to and there was some higher force trying to um essentially take her away and all all this and that um and being in the presence of that and trying to comfort somebody who's grieving the upcoming loss of their own life, even though in the back of my head, I know it's not going to happen is a very difficult situation to be in. And so dealing with that in the midst of COVID being locked up in the house with her essentially 24 seven and gradually having to handle more and more of the house's responsibilities, like feeding the cats, mowing the lawn, feeding the fish, um, watering plants, like all of these things I had to step up and take hold of because she would, she found herself locked in her room um, doing what, doing nothing all day. And it came to a fever point in October when I noticed that she hadn't eaten anything for about three days. Um, this is October of 2020. Yeah, October 2020. So I'm just trying to put this in terms that so that would be that would be like our thesis of our graduate program correct yes when, we, when we're working on that yeah this, this is in the middle of me working on yeah the senior project yeah um which of course i took the most difficult route and did a like a 35 page research paper with like 70 citations but either either way yeah um so you had a lot you had a lot going on and then just add that yeah, precisely. Like not only was there regular class happening in the background, but there was this overarching massive project that I'd been working on for months at that point. Um, but it came to a fever pitch in October because I know she wasn't eating anything and very rarely coming out of her room, not doing much of anything. And I was scared. I was scared because she's withering away and I tried to make her eat something and she just wasn't taking to it. And I later learned that it was whomever in her brain telling her that she shouldn't eat. Um, but I was scared. And so I called my aunt who is a psychiatrist, uh, her sister, and we talked on the phone and essentially said that for the next week or two, I was supposed to monitor her meals and administer meals for the next couple weeks to make sure that she's eating. And so uh, I go to sleep that night. I wake up the next day. It's about seven in the morning. Um, I woke up early because it's like, okay, I need to prep some type of food for her. And I walk downstairs to see that she is face down, collapsed in front of the front door. And I of course, start freaking out because I think that she kicked it, right? And so I run downstairs and I'm pulling her up. I'm like, mom, mom, are you okay? What, like, what's going on? And she, she gets up. I mean, she's fine. She has her shoes on and it's like a rainstorm outside. Um, and she was saying words to me, but the words did not make any sense. She was trying to say something and she was trying to look at me but she was looking right through me at something that was in her field of vision behind me and this resulted in an argument because she was going outside to go speak to the neighbors across the street who i know she dislikes and she said that 
Mr. Jackson was supposed to take her somewhere. Um, I guess this is what the spirits, entities, uh, delusions told her. And so we have like a 30 minute kind of screaming argument outside of our house early on this morning um, as I'm trying to coax her not to go over there because what she's saying is insane. And I, I just, I couldn't take it at that point. Eventually she's telling me to go inside. I'm saying, no, I'm staying right here and you're not going over there. And uh, this resulted in me calling my dad who came over here because they've since divorced, of course, um, to come over and help out. And my older brother who was aware of the situation going on with my mom over the past couple months had packed a bag. He was up at Penn state, uh, like three hours away. He'd packed a bag and had just had it ready in case I needed him to come down at some point to help out. And so it's like now eight in the morning and I'm calling my brother, Sam, and I'm, I'm in tears. I'm like, Sam, I think I really need your help right now because I can't handle this. Um, and so, yeah, what resulted from that was a number of interventions and trying to get her to eat and going to the hospital, but then backing out of going to the hospital and all, all this other some such until she finally ended up back in a mental institution um, towards the middle to end of October. And Sam, my older brother, came down and actually lived with me in that house for two or three weeks just... Uh, to, to, to get by just so that I wasn't alone in that house. But to, to, make, to make the point, I guess, a little bit more clear is that dealing with all of that and dealing with my mother's own um, mental health it has been a toll upon my mind for, for a long while. And it's, it's difficult too, because I certainly can't be mad at her. Because when you have a mental illness that is so debilitating and forces you to see these things and act this way, I can't be mad at her because it's the, the brain that is causing issue. But it does not make the burden of, of dealing with the consequences of that any easier upon myself or anybody in my family. And so that that that's the that was the main tipping point for my mother's situation. I'm I'm thinking about it now. It's like during that October time period, uh, I remember just emailing you about how I thought my my project was so horrible, and that I needed all this positive affirmation to make myself feel better about it, even though it was actually a really good project. And like I feel horrible now, just thinking about like you were going through this, and I was setting you this this trivial stuff, you know? <laughs> so I'm so sorry. Oh. And, it's, and it's just like those things, like you don't always, for me personally, like I don't always put myself in my in the other person's shoes, you know? It's like, oh, and we all do that. We all have the tendency to not do that. But it's the fact that you were doing that and you, with your mother and having to take care of her and you, you had this extra burden of the whole hardest part of our academic time at Drexel, it's, it's just, it's just mind-blowing that you were able to handle yourself so well. I, I'll admit to during, during that time needing some help from professors. Uh, to name one, uh, Susan McGee 
but I emailed her essentially saying that I wasn't able to submit some, like, I think it might've been the final on time um, because I simply could, did not have the energy. I did not have the time, did not have the ability to do it. And she essentially, I think she gave me a day extension or something and I, that wasn't enough. And so I emailed her essentially a synopsis of what I just told you. And she said, I, I am so sorry, take as much time as you need. Like, like go, like do, do not worry about it. Um, everything going on. I think the mentality there is everybody understands that it is a ludicrous pace yeah. and everybody is kind of together and saying, we are all here for you. We will help in whatever way we can, because it's, it's not easy for any of us. Mm-hmm. So to go back to your mom, uh, how has your experience with your mom shaped your mentality to mental health now, like all together? Oh my goodness. Well, that was a bit of a, a loaded question. So my apologies. No, no, I, I understand. Um, it, it is the, that experience aside from struggling with my own um, difficulties beforehand has, has shaped the way that I view um, mental health in, in general, just because it's the most direct experience I have with something so impactful. Uh, I, I certainly could not advocate for mental health awareness enough. Um, I am so uh, supportive of anything towards it and medication and counseling and therapy and anything that will kind of kind of keep you together. Uh, it's 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 obviously a difficult thing to deal with and myself with with my mom during all of that and i mean residually now i have had the thought because schizophrenia is hereditary um you know and and she told me that the first time she ever felt saw any of that was in 2005 shortly after my little brother was born and so she was in her 30s at that point. And so I, I've had the thought now that if, what if I'm, she told me that the first time she heard from those higher beings was in the changing rooms at a Coles. And so now I, I think, what if someday, 10 years from now, I find myself in a Coles and I find some, hear some communication from some otherworldly being. Um, and it's scary, but I, given that experience, am more buckled down to keep my brain straight than ever. And if that scenario ever comes about, um, I, I would be acting on it immediately because I do not want myself to fall into and cause the same negative effects that, that my mother has, um, not to the family because her her parents are still around they're in their 80s and they have helped so much with helping her throughout all of this but while i appreciate that to such an enormous extent it's also tough because they're 86 and 84 respectively they should be in boca sitting by the poolside 
not having to deal with their, you know, sick daughter constantly. Um, but to, to generalize my feelings in the wake of it all would be that I am now so much more hyper attuned to where my mental state is and trying to notice any kind of signs that I'm off early on. Uh, because otherwise I don't want to be led down that same path. I, I don't have any tattoos, but I have wanted to get one for the past two years. And it's the snake eating its own tail. If you're familiar with it, it's called the Ouroboros. Um, and so that depicts kind of a cyclical nature, you know, the snake eating its own tail continually forever. Yeah. Uh, I want one where it's the snake going to eat its own tail but the they're not like the tail is is cut off to some degree and underneath it says the cycle ends here wow because i won't let myself fall into that cycle again yeah that's a uh, that's amazing bro i love i love the way i love the way that you just explained that um my father uh, before I something I didn't realize until I started suffering from the my mental health uh, was that my father had mental health uh, issues early like around the same age I am right now 25 oh, really? 26 27 and I started to feel these feel a type of feel these feelings that I've expressed to you before and that I've mentioned on this podcast around 25 26 as well and so I was like what what is going on with me is there something wrong with me and then he had, I had had a discussion with my mom and then my mom said, Hey, reach out to your father. I mean, I talk, I have a great relationship with my dad. I talked to him all the time, but she was like, mm-hmm. just reach out to your father, ask him about, uh, about, tell him about these feelings. And then I told him and then he was like, yes, when I was your age, I had, I had went through it really, really bad. And I'm realizing now it's because of the way I'm feeling it's because it's in our it's it's hereditary you know exactly uh, and i didn't and i it was, it was he didn't tell me to protect me you know he didn't want me to think any less of him which i still don't think anything less of him he's, he's my hero i love him but he tried to protect me in that sense but i feel as though if he would have told me or if my mom would have told me that what he went through it would have been easier for me to recognize like okay this is something i can work through and uh come out on top instead of thinking that there was something wrong with my head exactly oh yes it's it, it it's me- mental health is still a very difficult and stigmatized topic to discuss because you don't want to alarm somebody or you don't want to uh kind of make aware that there could be something something wrong inside your brain but only by discussing these things and bringing awareness to these issues can people detect and realize and then it will stop self-hatred towards it Mm -hmm. because you stop thinking there's something wrong with me and start thinking this is a diagnosable issue there's something that i can fix yes uh it's a it's a chemical imbalance and exactly that doesn't mean it's anything that makes you any less of a person like your mom, I, I assume she's still a wonderful person. You still yeah. love you love her dearly, still, and still love her. And the, you probably have a great more uh, good uh, good moments with her than you have bad moments with her. Um, and you said she's getting the help she needs now, which is 
fantastic if you ask me was if you ask me but uh so if you go on the news lately especially like uh pop culture news you can see how one specific person in general's i won't say his name uh but i'm wearing his shoes right now are his are is, cons- is consistently made fun of because of his mental health condition uh and it's very wide known um what I, do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, his graduate album was amazing. His graduate album is one of the best albums ever produced. Yes, I am familiar. <laughs> um, I just don't want to say his name for copyright reasons. Yeah, good move. Uh, but I was wondering, what what is your perception of that? Well, how do you feel about people making fun of uh, of him? Even it's, I know he's said some outlandish things, but it's a mental health condition. What do, What is your thoughts on that? Oh man. And I've been he... meaning to ask you this for a long time because I <laughs> because I love when you explain things. So <laughs> he I I I've said it before, I don't believe to you, but I view him akin to like a Greek tragedy figure. Yeah. Because I, I do think that his graduation album is one of the best albums ever ever produced. Yes. Um, but it it seems like at some point in the 2018 2019 i forget exactly when uh everything started happening things just started taking a downturn um and he i i don't know what level of help he sought or i i think that because he is a celebrity uh, and has this I don't know. I think before any of the mental stuff came through, he already had kind of an inflated self ego Mm -hmm. because of that. He can suffer from the same kind of issue that my mom does in that he has a unwavering sense of self conviction. He will never assume that anything he says is wrong. And when you are in a position where you have influence over millions of people, that is a very difficult and dangerous situation to be in. That that's my, my general take. I think that he, um, I, I, I think that right now, cause he got divorced, right? Yes. He needs to take some time to himself and, and you seek the help that he needs. Yeah. Uh, but then again, it's like because it is so stigmatized, uh, and he is in he's he sneezes and it's front page news, you know, right? And it, I just think he'd be less likely, in his eyes, to be seen as as a capable artist because he is getting this mental health help. That that's that's it, that's the issue is that people are people assume that seeking help makes you weak. Yeah, when that's not. It's not true. If you don't yeah. seek help, then how can you ever get out of the situation that you're in in the first place? Yeah. Um, and it seems to me that for him, because he has that attitude where whatever I say is correct. I mean, I know he's he's likened himself to Jesus more times than one. <laughs> um, it, I being in that position makes it very difficult to even want to seek help in the first place yes and it's it really is not great for the mental health sphere as a whole 
because he's an easy target uh, mm. when he makes these outlandish claims. And I mean, when he ran for president, when all of this is underlying delusions from whatever, whatever he's dealing with, essentially. I just wish we could kind of all just be more accepting of it altogether. Be yeah. more, being more accepting of the help and be more accepting of the people that need the help. Yeah. Um, because if we if we were, then situations like this, uh, I like to think wouldn't be wouldn't happen. I agree. It it's it's something that still, even though I, I think over the past decade we've made some great strides mm-hmm. in awareness for mental health i still think that it's something that a lot of a lot of people just want to sweep under the rug yeah. and not discuss the skeletons in the closet yeah. um but it's it's similar to most every social issue that anyone that we've all that we've encountered in that only by talking about it and only by making it normalized and understood can the people that need it seek the help that they so desperately need. Yeah. And everybody else can understand that we're, I mean, we're all just trying to get through life, right? And the last thing that anybody needs, especially somebody who was already dealing with a pre-existing condition needs is, is other people bringing them down Mm -hmm. uh and especially with with this artist in particular uh just given the fact that you know he's made a he's made a number of very great contributions to the world (laughs) yeah but that's why conversations like this are so important is to to get that message out there like hey it's okay it's we're we got to move in the right direction we have to be open to talk about it like you said um so cam uh you are by far one of the smartest people and well-spoken people I know. Um, and you had actually done the Hunter S. Thompson thing and went out into the woods and uh, stayed there for a little bit after graduation just to be one with yourself and really come to terms with the tr- transitional period in your life. Whereas I just went straight to work. And uh, and I, that's something I really respect out of you. Is there any kind of wisdom you want to drop on us in regards to mental health that you kind of figured out while you were alone? When I spent the month in the woods, the purpose of it was very uh, similar to Thoreau uh, when he was talking about going into the woods to live deliberately. Um, what's, what's What's the full quote? I went into the woods because I wished to live deliberately to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach and not when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. Look at that. And I went in there with the intention of separating myself from everything else and kind of piecing together what was left, who I was, what I'd like to do, what what I want and who I am. Um, and so I found it a very fulfilling experience, but as far as my mental health up there goes, I found a lot of comfort in going out into the world and having, while I was alone in, in the woods, this is, I, while I was in the woods, I did not 
just stay in the cabin. You know, I yeah. went out and about. I traveled to Montreal. I went to Boston. I did all these different things. And one of the things that I found most gratifying and most uh, was stuck in my, in my my head the most was going out into the world and having conversations with people just for the pure joy of having a conversation and learning life from the perspective of another. When there was a day where I went to Boston and I was there by myself and I wanted to get breakfast at this place called the, the Comfy Toast or the Cozy Toast. And I sat down at the bar, unlike what I would normally do sitting at a booth, but just because you know, I'm a single, I'm an individual. So I sat at the bar and uh, I sit down next to this girl to the left of me. Her name is Abby. And I'm looking at the menu, but because they have the QR codes, uh, COVID and all that. It took me a minute to pull it up. And by the time the server came back, I didn't know what I wanted. So I leaned over to her and I was like, Hey, what should I, what should I get? And she's like, I have no idea. I, this is my first time here. And I'm like, Oh, how funny. This is also my first time here. And we got to chatting and we chatted for three hours, wow. just sitting there at the bar until they closed. Um, and things like that, the pure joy of discussing the the world with somebody else just because you can i find combats the notion that the world is a scary place wow the world can be scary there are people who want to do harm that's undeniable but i find that a lot of the times and living in philadelphia kind of trained me to keep my head on a swivel yeah um to fight if i need to run when I can and to look out, don't look anybody in the eyes and look out for trouble essentially. But going and talking to so many people and having these fulfilling conversations just because we could yeah, really reinstilled me with a sense of, um, I don't know, greater harmony in uh, amongst everybody, even though our paths in life might be so different. And that has really helped me move forward with any future interactions and has lessened some of the stress that the world can put upon you. Because at the end of the day, like I said earlier, we're all just trying to get through it. And only by coming to that realization that not everybody is out to get you, did the world become a much less scary and stressful place. I could have said it literally any better <laughs> like this is why i really enjoy having these conversations with you and i really miss having these regular conversations with you you know what i mean we used to have them quite often but because you know college is done we we're both doing our own thing i still really uh really appreciate that we still talk as much as we do you know even if it's just through a snapchat or a text message we still actively participate and keeping in contact I, I appreciate I appreciate that and I know that you know that I'll I'll always be there for you whenever you need it and uh, you're a great guy a great friend and I, I really appreciate uh, being able to, to to spend a couple of minutes on here talking about all of this no worries well guys I want to thank you so much for coming by and listening to us this time uh, Cam where can we find you 
Oh, <laughs> well, you can find me um, on social media is at the underscore Laporte. That's L-A-P-O-R-T-E. You can also go to my website, camlaporte.com to learn a little bit more about me um, or connect with me on LinkedIn if you want to chat sometime. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Cam. I'll see you guys all next time. All right. Have a good one. See y'all later.